This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape. And if you're listening to this on the podcast uh, the day later, uh, sorry for the echo, but I'm still on the road trip. We are now in Austin, Texas, so COVID and quarantine ain't going to keep me down. I shoved this Q-tip about that long. Sorry, audio listeners, if you can't see this, but I'm, I have my my fingers about a, a little over a half foot apart. And I took this Q-tip for the COVID test and I put it right through my brain uh, so that I could safely take a road trip across the United States from Los Angeles. The final destination is South Carolina. We're going to pick up a bunch of stuff in South Carolina, and then we're going to turn right back around and come back to Boston and go home. Uh, for those of you who saw last episode, that was a fun episode. Daniel Krause is co-writing and actually finishing a book that George Romero, the great zombie legend, started before he died. And you guys know George Romero because he's been on Geekscape and he's collaborated with us before his death. Uh, he did Night of the Living Dead, and before he died, he did not finish the novel he'd been working on for a few decades, and so he had Daniel finish it for him. The estate had Daniel finish it for him. So if you're into zombies, that's the last episode, and if in, the reason I bring it up, we did that episode from New Mexico. I'm getting ahead of myself, Geekscapist, because I'm really excited to talk to today's guest. Uh, Vinny Fiorello, you may be familiar with him. He was the lyricist and drummer for Lesson Jake. He started the band with former Geekscape guest. Krista Makes. If you're not listening to Chris's podcast or Vinny's podcast, we're going to promote both of them. Uh, but you'll remember Chris was on the episode. Uh, his episode, I think it was in January or February, right before the shutdown, uh, we had Chris on. And uh, now we get Vinny on. So it's pretty awesome. This is not the first time that I've talked to Vinny Fiorella. Uh, I used to be on the Lesson Jake street team in the mid-90s. And my job was to uh, take all these Lesson Jake tapes that they would mail me, these little singles, and uh, maybe some flyers. Maybe I'd go down to Kinko's and make some copies of some flyers. And I would go down uh, town here in Austin, and I would put them in record stores. And that was my street team gig, was to uh, walk around. I was in high school at the time, and I, I would hand out Lesson Jake tapes, and I would uh, uh, put flyers in the record store windows. Maybe there was an upcoming Lesson Jake show. 
And when I first met Vidi, might have been 95 or 96, uh, I remember they were playing, I think it was Stubbs over on Red River. And I got, you know, it was part of my deal as the street team member to meet Vinny from Less Than Jake. And I was so excited because they very much are a big part of the soundtrack to my life. And those are Vinny's words that are, that are uh, the lyrics to it. So <laughs> I meet Vinny and I just remember, you know, I'm, I'm super jazzed as I am right now. I think some things never change. And uh, right before uh, the show started, they were like, okay, uh, are you 18? The person from Stubbs was like, are you 18? And I was not. So I got to meet Vinny. I did not get to see Les and Jake, but I would see them many times, many times over the years. Uh, they are definitely one of my top five bands of all time. And we mention them very much here on Geekscape. So uh, the exciting stuff is that uh, Vinny also started Fooled by Robin Records, which has introduced the world to bands like Fallout Boy and Paramore and Gym Class Heroes and our personal favorite and the makers of the Geekscape theme song, Punchline. Um, and he's also started a bunch of other projects. And what I love about Vinny is his entrepreneurship and his creative side. Uh, you know, he's started everything from a collector's toy company uh, to another printing label and record label, uh, Paper and Plastic. I'm a big fan of this guy's. I'm going to bring him on here to talk about his brand new and pretty successful Kickstarter that's going on right now that I want you all to check out. It's a hybrid of ska meeting uh, comic books, which we're fans of here on Geekscape, of course. Uh, it's called The Inevitables. He's going to tell you all about it. Vinny, come on to Geekscape. How are you, brother? Hey, I'm doing good, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me early. I know it's early for you. And uh, Well, I'm in Austin, so I'm only a year earlier than you. And I'm one of those annoying people who wake up at 5 to go exercise, which is wow. so not Geekscape of me. It's not on brand, but yeah, Geekscape you know. is, we have to survive this pandemic so we can spread so we can be at least at Comic-Con next year. You know, you know what? You have to start early too. You know, anyone that's a creator has to start early because, you know, if you're like me, by the time you hit the the late morning, early afternoon, there's already a thousand things that are stacked up behind that you have to get done. So early in the morning, exercise, get a coffee, be creative, get contemplative. It's very morning. much a part of my creative process. And, uh, and when I was less productive and I was wondering why my career had not worked and uh, why things weren't going the way they were going, uh, I would just go running because it was free. And I developed a community and I developed a routine. And now it's one of those things where I really can't have many other people's live voices in my head before a certain hour. And that hour comes pretty early, but uh, we've been on this car ride. And <laughs> the rule is Heidi's like, oh. Jonathan needs his silence for the first two or three hours. And, and all you're really doing is like, you're just making your plan of attack for when you get back in front of the drawing board. Okay, this is what I got to knock out today. And I become way more prolific, way more successful. And, uh, and I'm really enjoying this. Uh, I feel bad for saying that the pandemic has been one of the most prolific periods of my life because it seems like everybody's slowing down and you're just rocking. You know, I mean, do you feel that, Vinny? Because you, you yourself have a project that I don't want to jinx it, but so far on Kickstarter, it looks like it's going to make its goal and then some. Well, uh, as of last night, uh, the Inevitables Kickstarter, uh, the first goal, uh, we were funded last night. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it felt good. You know, we were about $1,000 away around, like, dinner time, and uh, we just kind of had a moment. Uh, the partners with me just had a moment and said, let's try to get it over the, the first goal line tonight. So I did a video and we just kind of 
uh, talked about it. And when I woke up this morning early, uh, and it was great, man. I was stoked. Yeah, what I love about it, and tell me if this is an accurate description because I've read about it, and uh, we do talk a lot about, a lot about comics on the show. Um, and we have for a very long time because it's Geekscape. But uh, I'm trying to describe uh, the inevitables, which you should all check out on Kickstarter because there's some amazing, amazing stretch goals. There is. Uh, especially if you're a Scott fan or a comic book fan. I've been kind of describing the inevitables as uh, a comic that's for fans of like the umbrella Academy, which some of you may only be familiar with uh, on Netflix, which is totally cool because I actually prefer, don't don't tell Gerard way. (laughs) I actually, I actually love it as a TV show and I enjoy it a lot as a comic, but as a TV show, I just feel like it is a really damn good TV show with the room that it's gotten on Netflix to, to, to stretch out some of the weirder parts of the story. Uh, Tank Girl comes to mind. Why the Last Man? A lot of those those comics that I love. Uh, yeah. This is what it reminds me of. Well, you know what? That is flattering, and <laughs> it's it's awesome for you to say because <laughs> those are some of the the things that I'm inspired by in, in that world, right? Uh, most definitely, uh, Jim Mafood, right? Oh God, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I went for a hail mary uh, early on, and I was like this is the idea. And he was like, I, I'm busy. I have, I have so much going on. I'm busy, but awesome. And good luck. And, and he was gracious and he's awesome. And hell, he answered my, my uh, insane plea. Right. Have you, have you never met Jim in person? I've never met Jim in person. Jim and I, there's a company called Lion Force. I used to write Miami Vice comics for, uh, when, they had, awesome. when they had, when they had the, they had the Miami Vice like license. And, uh, and I did kind of like a straight, this is what would because I love uh, I, I love the TV show, but back in the eighties, the shows would always be like one offs, and it didn't feel like there was any cohesion uh, in in eighties television. Like the, like some romantic interest would pop in, and then just never be mentioned again. Or yeah. Suddenly, like the car would change from season one to two. So when I went in, I told the, the company I would write between season one and two, and I would explain all the changes that happened. So awesome. I, I stayed very close to the TV show, Jim did the artwork for like the weird like remix version of Miami mm-hmm. Vice. So we would find ourselves at comic conventions promoting our, our two different Miami Vice books quite a bit. And the dude is so chill and very much part of, I mean, if you want to call it counterculture that Les and Jake is a part of, but like very much a part of that, a lot of, a big part of that vinyl um, collectible market that you yeah. were a huge part of. I love it. You and Jim will collaborate soon. Is he able to give you a stretch goal or an alternative color? No, no, it didn't didn't work out like that. But we do have, I talked to Brian Ewing, if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with Brian's art. And uh, uh, Brian's going to do an alternative cover for it, for a stretch goal. And you know what? Uh, Someday, Jim Mafood will do it. You know, we'll figure out a project together because huge fan. And uh, I wanted a world for the inevitables to be brightly colored, but grimy as well. And that like grime in paradise moment. I live in Florida. So like to have that like brightly colored and candy coated kind of dirty world, that's what world I live in, unfortunately, but fortunately at the same time. Right. So uh, the inevitables is uh, based out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida and whatever time period, but uh, without giving too much, there's uh, 40 days before the end of the world, and just a bunch of nobodies need to 
prevent that from happening. And it kicks off from there. So, and what, like, talk to me about it because I'm going to show a couple of the character descriptions and some of the character artwork on this one uh, in our sub window. If you're watching this live, uh, Geekscape, if you're listening to this a day later on the podcast feed, definitely go to the Kickstarter to check out the Inevitables because I love this artwork. It just looks awesome. Uh, and again, it, it, it lent itself to why I was mentioning things like uh, Umbrella Academy or uh, Why the Last Man to a degree and definitely Tank Girl. All these kind of post-apocalyptic or doomsday race kind of comic Absolutely. books. It's kind of, kind of the, the, the zeitgeist that you're working with here. Where did the inspiration for it come? Was it your idea? Was, was it something that got stronger as you started talking to collaborators and added collaborators to the project? Because we're going to go down the list of collaborators. You've got a ton of them from the worlds of Scott. Yeah, yeah. So, so check it out. I had an idea originally uh, for the inevitables. Originally, it was the inevitabilities. And that's a tongue twister in itself, but I wanted it to be more on a less than Jake side where we're going to do a, you know, rock opera type thing, right? You know, Scott punk opera and uh, have each thing kind of line up with the, the world that you can't get away from. You can't hide your future is really always in my head. Right. So with the inevitables and that original idea, it was death and happiness and sadness, those things that, no matter what, you can't get away from, right? Sure. Sometime in your life, you're going to be happy. Sometime in your life, you're going to be sad, you know, and you're never going to be able to escape death. I mean, not in this world that we're living in, right? So uh, from that point, I kind of shelved it and I didn't, didn't really form it correctly. It was dead in the water. After I left less than Jake and, not, and decided that I didn't want to tour anymore, me and Obi from Westbound Train, we were just kind of shooting the shit and, and talking. And uh, he was like, do you have any ideas? Do you have anything? And I said, I have this one idea that I've never touched. And we dusted it off. And it the inevitabilities became the inevitables. We started to flesh it out. And I told him, you know, this has to be this, like, candy-coated world of, like, filth. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, Florida is where I wanted it. And to bring these characters in and slowly but surely we started to bring on the music side first we started the right song so went from obi from westbound train we brought in alex stern from big d in the kids table and palms void union uh and then from there we got john uh from he played in bomb the music industry he plays in jeff rosenstock band currently and uh then from there Matt Appleton from Real Big Fish, Billy Cottage from Real Big Fish, uh, well, Billy Cottage also interrupters, sorry. Uh, and, uh, and then from that point, uh, we were looking for a singer and we tried a bunch of different singers out, but I'm a huge fan of Nightmares for a Week from Albany, New York. And Sean Paul, who sings in that band, he tried out and he sung through the first single, actually Fort Lauderdale. And man, it 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 popped off. So we had the music side, and then we started to jump in the other side. We have John O'Diener who did the script for it. We brought Liana Congas in for uh, for uh, the sequential art. But even before that, Devin Watson, uh, who I just found randomly actually after I went to the hoop for for Jim of Food, yeah, and that yeah. failed right, and I I whiffed that. But uh, I found Devin just scrolling through. Instagram 
or like deviant art or like all those like you just find them dude, and they're dude, was amazing just, artists dude it was just instagram and i was flipping through and he's a friend of a friend and it popped up and uh it's if anyone wants to check out his art he's awesome it's at eyeball fortress on instagram let me and, see if i got this right uh i can throw up these amazing uh little you can see them the lower thirds here on the live video yeah. uh and uh we can we can take a look at his Instagram, but really the Geek Davis, um, check him out. I'm going to put in the lower thirds. Uh, my my question for you, really, Vinny, is uh, this Kickstarter idea because not that it's not successful, uh, but let's talk a little bit about creator ownership because I think it's something that has defined a lot of your career. And, and there are creator-owned publishing outlets. Like you could have taken this to Vault. I think Vault would have been very receptive to this. I think Image would have been very receptive to it, or Dark Horse would have been receptive to it. And to a degree, they do have creator-owned uh, Boom Comics. They all have creator-owned uh, you know, advantages here and there. And a lot of them have studio upstream deals where you know Boom had that deal with Fox, where they could go and work with Fox. And obviously, Dark Horse has a Netflix relationship now with Umbrella Academy. Why do something independent of some of the established indie creator of comic publishers? It, well, I, I, to be honest with you, it just comes from my background in punk rock music, right? Uh, when I first started a band and you start to kind of understand that no one's going to do it for you, right? Yeah. There's a wall, walled garden and sometimes you could scale the wall and jump over and be like, hey, I'm here. And people embrace that. And other times it's just too damn high and you don't know a way in. So with that headset, you know, the, the mindset and like inside my head of do it yourself, you know, and it's the do it yourself headspace, man, that it never went away from early in punk rock and everything that I've done up to this point, it's always been, well, no one's, no one's feeling like no one's coming and going, Hey, we heard about this or, Hey, do you mind pitching? Uh, it just never kind of connected that way so when it doesn't feel feel like it's going in that direction you just pick up and do it yourself man and i'm always been okay with that and i always push other creators i know to always try their hand at at assembling a project themselves yeah i think that it's one of those things where agree i, I agree a hundred percent and that is why Geekscape is over here. And it's okay if some years we are the cockroach just trying to survive. And some years we have a huge explosion and maybe we put out a film or something. But uh, Geekscape has been with me a while. You remember the Westwood One year <laughs> where I was like, okay, they're the second largest radio conglomerate. What could go wrong? And if you're a Less Than Jake fan, you remember the, the you know, obviously the uh, time that y'all were on uh, Warner Brothers or any of the other majors where. Yeah. You're a small fish in a big pond, and suddenly uh, it's not like even booking out of book your own fucking life anymore. You are not a priority, and creatively, that is a tough like thing to watch a year go by and know that you could have done more if there had been more boots on the ground or hands on. I could tell you this: that a year in a creative's life is a very, very, very long time, right? Absolutely, uh, but and as well, if it's an active campaign, it's extremely long, right? But to a lot of you know, on the business end, a year goes like that. I mean, a year is a buildup in some cases, 
for a project, right? Mm-hmm. So, hey, we're going to wait two years to do this, even though it's done now. We're just going to market it correctly and 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 slowly and build up. And here we are. So I get both sides, right? I think it even goes back to me about like, it just goes back to if you're going to do something and you already don't have a very strong relationship and you're starting from scratch, then to try to go into another relationship with somebody creatively, it's hard, right? And for inevitables, we were starting right here flat. And little by little, we built the idea and built the team. And now we did the Kickstarter and it, you know, that first goal, we went over it. And now we just have to build that up and we're going to do what we have to do. I'm not saying that they, there won't be a time to go to somebody else and go, we've done what we can do. We need help in distribution. We need help to try to gain ground in another media form. I'm not saying that we're always going to, you know, it's, we have to do it ourselves or we're going to die trying. It's not that. It's just that you have to have good relationships. You have to work with people that are, that want the same end goal as you. Right. Yeah. And the more cooks that you add to the kitchen, the more likely somebody's bringing in an ingredient that spoils the whole thing. Yeah. Or uh, you add that secret sauce that <laughs> right. no one knows about and it's terrific. It turns terrific. Right. So that's the, right. the, the thing you don't know, but, but you gotta be careful with it. Yeah, you do. I, I, I enjoy uh, that, that freedom to do it ourselves and, to bring in the team and to have that control, that creative control over it. But I also, I love when someone comes in and we could sit down and I gain a bunch of knowledge that I've never had before. And I'm a sponge when it, when it comes to things like that. I love it, man. Like someone who uh, knows, you know, X, Y, Z about sequential art that I didn't. And when I'm, when they're talking and I'm soaking it in going, this is awesome, man. Like I, I didn't know that before. And now I know because, and you know, this as well as I do, there's a constant curve that always happens that, uh, the way people, uh, kind of digest media starts to change. Right. And if you don't, if you're not paying attention to how that happens, then you're lost in the shuffle. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I don't claim to be like sort of like a media hound. So when I hear other people talk, when I'm reading, when I'm watching, you know, other things and listening to people talk or have a meeting and they're throwing knowledge on me, dude, that's awesome. And what's awesome about having you on the show is I think you're one of the, the people who think as far as your words go in a very abstract place. Um, I was listening to Krista Makes on his podcast, Krista Makes podcast, and uh, he was talking about how he doesn't think that way where he can put himself in someone else's shoes. He has to come from an emotional side when he's writing his lyrics and listening to his original songs that he had on this last solo tour. Uh, I definitely felt like he, he comes from a very emotional place. Uh, I feel like you create, you put yourself in different characters' shoes and your lyrics come from poetic, fairly abstract places at times. But like you said, and, and it's apparently inevitable, uh, it, it still has that level of reality, that hard pavement that you sometimes hit. Uh, Vinny, when did you get some of those thoughts, some of the, some of your poetry, some of your, your lyricism? You know what? I have no idea. Like, <laughs> uh, here, here's, here's the thing that I, I am 
early on there, I started to read a zine called Comet Bus. And uh, Aaron Elliott, who played drums and wrote lyrics for Crimp Shrine, was in Sweet Baby, and he was in Pinhead Gunpowder and, and a bunch of other stuff. And and Davis, I think I talked about the Gilman Street documentary that came out a few years ago, but I worshipped that scene around the time that I was in high school. And me too. Less than Jake, and that is why, uh, no offense to Less than Jake, you know, Vinny's not going to be offended. He's not in the band anymore. But uh, that's why the Mr. T experience are my favorite band of all time. Yeah, man, I get that, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it's also why, uh, you know, I am how I am is because right. of the Gilman Street, that East Bay scene that happened, right? right. Uh, Aaron Elliott and Comet Bus had such a profound effect on the way I think about life. And even the mundane daily life has a deeper anchor that holds it down, right? And that's what Comet Bus was all about. If you read it on a, a face level, it's just about a punk dude who was going through life and love and, and hate and sad. Right. But if you started to like look under the bottom of that, it was a whole nother, it was layers of emotion and how people intertwine and how lives intertwine. And that was heady to me. Right. Like I, I, it, it opened up a new world of what punk rock music can be lyrically. Right and and and, yes. I, and it and it kicked open to me uh, a different way of thinking, and I just used that and that arc, and on top of all of that, I start to bring in things like, you know, when my parents separated, not once but twice, right? Mm -hmm. Like it it hit me in such a profound way again that like it wires me up to like kind of understand that like that 360 loop of being happy, being sad, being happy, being sad, being happy, that, that constant thing. Yeah. Right. In that one song, uh, what is the name of the song? Your mom and dad. I've been making Making, yeah, escape from the A-bomb house. That, that song shakes me. That song it, 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 it should because it shakes me. It's still to this day. Right. And, like, and Chris has said that when he started working on that, when, when you gave him the words of that song, it, it, it wrecked them. And I think Geeks gave us, no, if you're a long time Geeks gave us, you know that we've all been through divorce and I've been through a divorce and it it can be the best divorce in the world. It will shake you to your core. What I love about Lesson Shake, and I think I've loved through loved the whole, the whole time I've listened for the majority of my life is that aspirational element that still exists among the concrete and the grime is that there's still, you know what, this sucks but I can do better and I will do better. And I will, I'll, and I think that's why songs like Owl's War and these, these, these anthems are huge because you're giving us an, an aspirational element to our reality. Well, you know, you got to think about it this way. It's that, you know, there's people that were lucky enough to live in a metropolitan area, right. That had everything at their fingertips, the best shows, the best art, the best food, the best view, whatever it is. But for most of us, we lived in suburbs, man, that we were defined by square blocks sometimes and square miles other times, right? And I, I really like tuned in early on that life is, there's so much more to life beyond that confine when you're growing up, right? Like just so, it's so weird to me that like people are, okay sometimes and uh not to do a plug right but i will right and That's what you're uh, I, I i released a book uh june 24th called 619 
and it's short stories. But that first six one, I, I did a short story every day last June. I wrote it right, and uh, here's the thing: on that first one, six one nineteen, there's a part where it says, and it it says, "Why are these people fucking smiling all the time?" Right, and I never understood that, like that life isn't all about this like sort of like smile there's so much more layers underneath it and varying degrees of that smile and that headspace right and like i just never understood people just why are the fuck are they smiling all the time like right. life isn't even the best life isn't worth a 24 hour a day 7 day a week smile right but sometimes the smile is a protest Sometimes it is, man. Sometimes it is all we can do in the face of, you know, in 2020, a smile is a protest. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm just kind of an insane person. Yeah, man. And, and, I, and I get that. So uh, if you ask about the lyrics, it's like uh, I, I equate it to a miner, right? Who someone gave him a shovel and said, dig a hole. And, dude, the, I just kept on digging a hole. Right. right? And to this day, it's a constant dig to make a tunnel to go wherever. I have no idea, but that's how I look at the creative output, right? It's someone, whoever it was, and you have a bunch of different headspace, but someone gave me a shovel of creativity, right? Not to be cheesy, right? But yeah. metaphorically speaking, someone gave me a shovel a long time ago to think a little bit differently, to put things together a little bit differently. And Every day that I'm alive, live and breathe, I will use that shovel and dig a fucking tunnel to wherever. Right. I'll and never sometimes sit you get a cave, sometimes you get an empty vein, but every now and then you strike gold. Yeah. And you and you just keep on digging, man. Like if if someone gave you the gift of creativity, you're you're bound to to use it every day. If not, you're you're wasting valuable time. Is that not what separates us from animals? Maybe it is, man. But it definitely separates us from from person to person, right? Mm -hmm. Some people yeah, don't look at their gifts and 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 deal, right? I think that's the it's your sapiens, the, the novel sapiens. It's a gatekeepers. You're going to yell at me, and feel free to use the comments to yell at me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, the one definition between us and anything else on this planet is that we can create stories, and we sometimes use those stories. To inspire, but we sometimes use those stories to create control mechanisms like uh, Geekscapers. Feel free to shut off if you're a part of this, but religion or government, um, you know, a, a monkey's not going to tell a bunch of monkeys to run off a cliff based on a story, but we've been known to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're right. I think that we do have a duty to do that. We do have a duty as a social fabric to be a part of that and to propel things forward and to educate each other. Uh, but we don't all do it, which you pointed out. Yeah. Your collaboration with Obi, you said that maybe, that, you know, going into this new uh, endeavor that, that you were starting out at a zeroed out place and you're adding collaborators, maybe you'd never collaborated with before, but is it really zeroed out when you're so familiar with some of these artists that you speak almost a second language? How long have you known Obi? I, I've known Obi, uh, Obi for uh, 12 years. Yeah. Um, yeah but... It's different knowing somebody and uh, knowing their art and then working with them in an art, right? It's dude, it's like, it's two different things. It's apples and oranges, right? So you could be friends with someone and you could be a fan of their art, but the minute that you step over and you collaborate, 
that that is a that that's starting at zero. You know, mm-hmm. you might have an understanding and a friendship, and that's not zero, but collaboration on a creative level is completely different, man. Like some people are, uh, you know, create in a whole different way than other people. And I was so used to being able to only collaborate with the, the, the less than Jake entity and how we did things sure. that it, it was a, t- a totally different man. Z- zeroed out. In your re-education, not just in the relationships, but also in the mediums that you're working with. Uh, what was it like when you started in the mid-90s? A label. I know that locally growing up in Austin, the Impossibles being the biggest thing. I love it. I, we booked them in so many rec centers and garages. We we love the Impossibles. The Impossibles yeah, are home to uh, When they when you signed them, and, I, and the news was, the guy from Weston Jake signed the Impossibles. Uh, what led you down that road to start a label and then you start your relationship with John Janik and someone who yeah. I, I met briefly a few times and talking about making videos for the Punchline Boys? You know what? It, the, the crazy thing for me about it, when Less Than Jake first started touring a lot, right? So we would do three weeks, come home for two weeks, go out for two weeks, come home for three weeks, go out for a month. Like we were, we were putting in serious time, right? And the, the thing about it, for me, you'd run into local bands that you'd sit on the side of the stage and watch and go, holy shit, this is amazing. After the show, go, hey, like, do you have a record? What's going on? Oh, well, we know. Or, hey, we have a demo tape, and you can kind of check it out here. And uh, Or, hey, we, we haven't even recorded yet, but here's these songs. So for me, I started to go, people need to hear this, man. Like I know that if when we play with the impossibles, if that people who liked less than Jake heard the impossibles, they would love the impossibles. And the same thing as the hippos and the same thing goes for Ann Beretta. And the same thing goes for apocalypse Hoboken and Bigwig and whoever it is. So it was just starting a label was born out of that. You didn't have an easy way to hear about bands, right? Because you knew about new bands through zines and magazines. If you had college radio, but a band had to tour really to be in front of new eyes uh, because where I lived, you couldn't really get maximum rock and roll. You'd have to, or flip side or, or whatever. You'd have to even mail order that. Off your Z. Yeah, I would pick those up when I dropped off your flyers and tapes at the local record store. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so for me, I went, Dude, here, here's someone who's going to be traveling around all the time, who has an outlet, who has eyes and ears as well, because Less Than Jake started to get more popular. I, I went, dude, people need to hear this music. They they need to, like, I was moved by it, so I think other people would have been moved by it. So it was just that spark of you have to do it. And and I, I started to do it. I didn't know how to do it. Uh but I did it anyway. And seeing Matt take over the drumming in Lesson Jake, and, and there's a new Lesson Jake album coming out, late, I think, later this year. I think it's been delayed a little bit, but Matt is the drummer on that album. Yeah. And he came off with Teen Idols. Is it, do you have a, a sense of pride a bit in seeing part of that uh, Feel by Ramen family continue uh, your endeavors and kind of just stay in the family in a sense? Well, I mean, it, it's in the family, but not in the way that that is. I mean, Teen Idols had been around for a really long time with Less Than Jake. I also did something on Fuel, Fuel By, right, for mm-hmm. for uh, Teen Idols. 
But Matt had been around and did literally every job they could possibly think of for less than Jake, right? So uh, it was just a matter of all in the family anyway. So he took over drums because he was a drummer, right? Uh, it wasn't necessarily that arc of Fueled by Ramen involvement as much as it was uh, his persistence of being around for a long time, you know? And it was it's great that it could be in the family like that. But uh, I'm more geeked out about, you know, having the band that, uh, you know, I've been involved with for 27 plus years continue the arc, you know, and the legacy, you know? And that, to me, uh, music lives forever. You can't erase history, man. Like, there's 27 years of music, of lyrics, of drums. Cool. Like, that, that, that lives forever, man. And, like, the next chapter of Less Than Jake happens whenever that, you know, well, it happened already, you know, and it continues on. So uh, for me, that I'm cool with that because that from zero to 27 plus years of all those memories, all those songs, all that interconnectedness with people and places and cities and clubs and wherever, you know, I'm cool. You know, I, I, I wish that, you know, when I start to think about it, it's like, if I could balance being away and being a dad and being a husband, but doing all the other creative things that I want to get done as well, if I could balance all of that, it would have been a different story. But you start to make reality ask you to make hard decisions sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it, it did, and I answered. In Geekscape, there's a motto that I've said many times on the show, but if you're the first time listening to the, the program, uh, I took this off of, I think... Uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast, but it's uh, easy decisions equal a hard life. And we've all made easy decisions that later have blown up in our faces. But if you make the hard decisions, you end up with an easy life, a life that you want. And Vinny, you've made some hard decisions. And I'm sure the lesson Jake one was a hard decision. I mean, you do get to be a fan like the rest of us. And uh, you're definitely going to be included in uh, Chris's book whenever he puts together this book of memories. Was the decision with... I, I, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> you should, I mean... You grew up as his best friend. You should be in the book. <laughs> if not, we're going to have a conversation. But uh, the the Fielder Ramen decision, was that a, a matter of just the label? It, it got, I mean, when you think about how stratospheric that label got, mm -hmm. it was no longer the Teen Idols and Hippos and It was Panic of the Disco and uh, Paramore and Gym Class Heroes and uh, all those bands I love when it started to get into other places, uh, I, I wasn't feeling, I didn't have passion for it. I, you know, the fallout boy, panic at the disco, Paramore, gym class heroes, like, dude, that was music and people that I could get behind and, and had passion for. Right. But there was a point that the passion for the music that we started to put out and started to look at started to go down and, the the questions of whether or not I can still be a part of something I wasn't wasn't passionate about if I could still stay and dude when that happens it's time to go right like uh, if there's anything that I can say I, I have an acute sense of I know when to go when I feel that it's time to go sure and go 
peace. You know, like I'm a quitter, whatever, right? Like it's, <laughs> I'm a quitter. Like, no, it's a hard decision and it's opened the doors for you to do things like the inevitables. And, you know, if you're still passionate about music and I'm sure you are, you start another label like you did with paper and plastic, yeah. which is a little closer to some of the indie publishing and some of the, some of that stuff that you've been doing. What's up with starting a toy company, Vinny? Like uh, you're really just trying to add straw to the back until the camel breaks at True. this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I could tell you one of my like passions is co uh, collecting toys, right? Uh, Less than Jake's sort of started on this road of Pez, right? I have but, the Pez speaker. I have the Pez boy. Uh, yeah, and and Pez was the start of it for me of collecting toys, other toys, right? And uh, I was at Universal City Walk in Hollywood, and I went into this place called Sparky's, and uh, they had tons of uh, bobbleheads, and. I'd never seen bobblehead before, except for like something in the fifties. Right. <laughs> and when I went into the store, I went, look at all these bobbleheads. Like, this is crazy. And there was like a skull one and there was a devil one. And there was like, you know, the Alka-Seltzer boy was in there. Like, and I went, wow, this is cool. And I picked it up. I looked underneath it. It said made by Funko. I went, all right. And turned it over. I wrote it down in my little book. And I went back to the apartment that we were staying at while we were recording Borders and Boundaries. And I did research and I found out where Funko was from. And it was Snohomish, Washington. Snohomish, Washington. A friend of and, mine has a job there and he may start sending me stuff Geeks gave us that you're going to hear about. Uh, but yeah, we've talked about Funko Pops quite a bit on the show. I may or may not have called them the Geek Beanie Baby. But... <laughs> <laughs> that stuff can get away from you real fast. Oh, so, dude, right? dude, absolutely. And for me, I, dude, I cold called Funko and went, uh, "Hey, I saw this cool thing, and can can someone call me back? I, I'm this is my name and this is where I'm from." And <clears throat> phone rings back. Hello, hey, Vinny, this is Mike Becker. I started and I own Funko, and I heard that you called, and I went. Hey, and I pitched him. Hey, I really would like to do this less than Jake skull head. And I'd like to do this and that. And we worked together on a lot of toys and he became a mentor and like kind of shepherded me through some headspace. He did the, the monkey versus robot and the, the later became wonderland war. He did those toys for me. And that led me down a whole nother world of, of toy making toy collecting and everything. I mean, uh, Mike, Mike, gracious man! Like he didn't have to call, we didn't have to talk, uh, and he didn't most certainly didn't have to put a vested interest in what I wanted to do creatively, but he did, and yeah. fun. that's great. Like, I think I started this podcast when I couldn't get arrested in, as a director in Hollywood to give myself access to people who could then become collaborators and mentors, and I think you actually know our friend who works currently for Mike at Funko. It's Sean Neal, who used to be the lead singer of Dynamite Boy. Yeah. And he now works for Funko, and he'll call me up and be like, hey, we're working on this really cool licensed property, and I'm just going to send it to you, and I think that, you know, you'll like it. Um, and uh, and if you enjoy it, maybe talk about it on Geekscape. It isn't that. I'm going to talk to the marketing guys and see if we can wire you in. Uh, I will tell you, though, Geekscape is that you may know that I just moved in with Heidi and that Hasbro sent me all those new G.I. Joe classified uh, figures and they're 
pretty awesome. They were the black label Star Wars figures. But the first thing that happened when I opened that box and started taking them out was the question, do you get mailed a lot of this stuff? <laughs> because you still got to put it somewhere. And with a kid and all the responsibilities, Benny, like, how are you fitting this stuff? Well, let's just start a toy store and a collectible store, which is something you did as well. I Another did. straw on the camel's back. And yeah. Here we yeah. go. You know what? I, I had opened up a uh, tattoo shop co-owned uh, called Wonderland. And we have a, the front of that acts as a retail store for the toys that I do. We bring in other designer toys from different makers and we do a lot of cool and limited merch uh, and flash sheets to go along with sort of like what the tattoo shop is. And it's been a blast. It's really given me a chance to have a brick and mortar, but it be shielded because of, of the tattoo shop. That's also under the same roof. So again, man, I, I consider myself lucky and blessed and uh, the gratitude that I have to be able to do these things. Uh, it, it's immeasurable at this time. And I just was talking to Obi about it uh, yesterday or the day before I forget when, but dude, it's just, I'm, I'm filled with gratitude, man. I'm filled with the, the paths that I went down and the people that have supported and especially with the the Kickstarter, with the Inevitables, people came out and support. And dude, that that fills me up and, and makes me want to go and want to do and want to do more, you know, because, uh, dude, there's one thing to create. And like I said, like this metaphor of being in the mine and just like continually making a tunnel. But then there's another time where someone's walking behind you going, damn, what a good tunnel this is. Like, let, let's go. Let's, I'm going to walk the tunnel with you. And uh, when that happens and, and people support it really like it, it, it fills me with such gratitude and makes me want to work harder and be better and do more and do that more better. Sure. Well, your barometer is definitely well uh, calibrated because it seems like with this uh, inevitable Kickstarter and we can take a look at it uh, right now. And thank you. One of my best friends, Steve Sabazli of Punchline for saying this is such a good Thanks. interview. Uh, brother, this interview may not have happened without your involvement, and I appreciate True. it. I called Steve yesterday somewhere in West Texas, and uh, we had a nice little talk. Uh, <laughs> I love Steve so much, and uh, the dude is a brother. Uh, and uh, and I do love having you on the show, Vinny, because obviously, you know, you're, you're somebody that I, I've uh, I've used as a barometer in my own creative life. Uh, you you know, and it's amazing when you create something as. Yeah, whether I've made a film or something that uh, not until later do you end up in a situation like this where someone says, Oh dude, like from afar, I, this has always been, a, uh, you know, a, a, a Northern light for me to help guide me creatively. Not to say that you're going to be without uh, falls and dips and bottoms out and of all of that. Um, but that aspirational uh, DNA that you first put in me creatively uh, it's something that always helps you pick you up. And Geekscape, as we talked about it a lot on the show creatively, but I'm not somebody who believe, believes in writer's block. I, I believe in uh, just being prolific and you're making a lot of stuff and you don't know it's going to work. And like Vinny said, you got to go to work. And when there's writers or creative people, when I teach college students and they say, uh, oh, I had a writer's block and this and that. Well, you know what? Our parents didn't really have the luxury of deciding whether or not they felt like working that day. And you do kind of have to like, 
pack the lunch pail, grab the briefcase and get to work every morning. Even if you don't believe what you're making or you're, you're lost in the woods and you don't really know where this is going, you just got to keep pushing. Something will land and it's about being prolific, not about being perfect because that does not exist. Dude, I, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, the thing that I've said before to other creatives, you have to learn how to pivot, right? If you have writer's block and this thing's not happening, well, what's going to happen? What's the pivot going to be to send it, to put it on, you know, on its ear, to send it in a new direction? Because that's what has to happen, man. Like, if something's not working, then you just can't go, it's not working, cool, whatever. You have to take that momentum and knock it and let it go and fly in another different direction, right? Like, and the pivot is so important, man. And people forget that. Oh, I, I'm a good artist, but that career is not going anywhere. Okay, well, what can you do with this skill set and pivot and let's see what happens to it? You know, it's and people forget that there's more than one path to take, even in the same umbrella right like there's tons of room in the lane to move back and forth from one thing to the other if you're not if you have writer's block and you're writing a novel which that happened to me right like what what am i going to do to get back on track and and you do certain things and you go that way and all of a sudden you can go back to that novel you can go back to the script you can go back to editing and just dude it's a it's a good and cool way to give your self-esteem, your break, you know, your head, a break, you can, you know, the, just the workflow becomes a little bit different. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's valuable to have support structures. And I think that the beautiful thing is you, in Let's and Jake, you had a support structure since your teams and, uh, and floundering out here in Hollywood, Geekscape as well. I know I'm in Austin right now, but in Hollywood, uh, Geekscape became a support structure, that thing that, you know, either one person listened or a couple thousand people listened uh, it was there and you could get immediate feedback from an audience and a little bit of a support structure. And it, it grows and it shrinks. Um, as Mikey Bray is watching this on Facebook, he says, Vinny never disappoints. Every chapter of his work pushes new batteries and inspires me. Vinny, uh, <laughs> uh, what are the failures? What are the ones where you said, well, fuck, that hurts. That didn't work. I could pivot. I, I mean, I, I give you something post less than Jake, right? Uh, and less than Jake, we were all lucky and still are lucky that you have such a, a width and breadth of, of content, you know, like so many songs, so many records that, you, can't use it. No. you know, so I, I don't use that, but I do use this, that after I left less than Jake, I started to write a novel and I was about uh, halfway through hundreds of pages in. Right. And I went, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, uh, does people want to read this? Are they going to be interested in this? People who know you lyrically, are they going to vibe off what you're doing right here? Dude, it was paralyzing because at that point I didn't have, uh, uh, you know, this big cushion of, Hey, I did losing streak or I did hello rock view. Oh, it's cool. Like if we floundered a little bit, it's no big deal. Like, dude, this was just me and it was paralyzing. So I had to have a moment, man, where I went, I have to put this away and I have to figure out what I'm really going to do. And that's what I had mentioned it. That's why I came to 619, how, how it went out, right? Where I went, okay, 
here comes June, starting June 1st, you're going to sit down and write a short story every day. And that's what I did. June 1st, here's a short story. June 2nd, here's a short story. For 30 days, I did that and crafted sort of the way that I'm writing and uh, used the influences of lyrics and the influences of, of past lyrical sort of subjects. And it reads like a memoir and it has a lyrical bounce to some of the parts. It has that darkness to it and that lightness to it and that sort of aspirational thing that you were talking about is, is also built into there. And for me, that that was a lesson of this was failing and you were at, I was at my wit's end of it and I pivoted and I went to six, what became 619 and I came out of that stronger, a stronger writer and stronger to working individually and not as a group as I was used to. Sure. And sometimes you do need, when, especially when you're relearning a, a new game, you need to learn to juggle before you just start your Vegas show. Baby. It's true. <laughs> you it's you true. were like, bright lights of Vegas, here I come. And you're like, oh my God, I can see how so many people go derelict in Vegas. They yeah. were like, I'm going to hit it. <laughs> you just got to start juggling. You had to go back to the juggle. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and that's what it is. And uh, anything new like that, you have to start small and, and kind of build up. And I guess if you want to like kind of lap it, that's what the inevitable is about, man. It was starting at a baseline and sure. I, we could have had a meeting with a bunch of, of other uh, publishing companies, uh, but dude, we started at a baseline and we're, sl- we are slowly building up and hopefully that's enough momentum to get to a place where, we can have other conversations with other people, right? And go, we really want to do this. Let's do this. We really want to do this. Let's do this. And But you're not going to come out and go right to the Vegas show. You have to build some things up and kind of woodshed a bit and, and, and get through with what you want to get through, right? At your own pace. Sure, sure. And if, if a character pops off and is your Wolverine, maybe they get a solo book down the, down the, uh, down the line in, in an accompanying single. You never know, man. Talked about before some vinyl figures. You know what I mean? Like, you know what? I, I have, I have, I have, and uh, uh, no one knows, right? But there is a sculpt, and it's already done, and uh, it's for Florida Man, uh, one of the characters in Inevitables. And dude, it's just now that we're past that first funding goal, now we could do some fun things like. Hey, let's do a vinyl figure of Florida Man. Here's a sculpt. If you want to kind of jump in and do it, uh, then let's do it. There's Florida Man right there. I have the sculpt for Florida Man. It's already done. People could like understand like where we're coming from, and hopefully, we're gonna get to that in the next phase or two of of what uh, our Kickstarter is. And is I'll be stoked. One of these sculpts, Keith's gave us. Like, of course, there was going to be a collectible vinyl. Of course, sculpt. of course. Like, come on. Um, I love that you're reclaiming Florida Man, which has become like a, a you know, a kind of a, a national joke. The Florida Man, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to reclaim it, and I'm going to use this for good. Yeah, I mean, the, the the Florida Man that exists outside of Florida is, you know, uh, 
uh, one of uh, of his own undoing all the time. Florida sure. man jumps into uh, you know the swamp, gets eaten by alligator. He was trying to save his six pack of beer from going down. <laughs> whatever, right? Like right. Uh, our Florida man is uh, smarter and stronger and is a leader in the inevitables, right? So. Yeah, man, we we're reclaiming Florida Matt for the good. Uh, Geekscape, check out this Kickstarter. Go to uh, Kickstarter and search for the Inevitables. You might have to throw in Vinny's name. There's a link in the description of this episode. It doesn't matter if you're watching it on YouTube, on Twitch, or Facebook. There's a link and podcast listeners. So it's going to be a link in the description there in the uh, liner in the in the show notes. Uh, check out the inevitables. Even though they've crossed their uh, first initial goal, this project is going to happen. There are stretch goals like that you talked about, the vinyl, uh, and more that uh, are going to happen. This is a Scott Super Group. I'm going to go ahead and call it that. I'm sure I'm not the first person. But the Scott, <laughs> this is the Scott Super Group. And uh, your lead singer is like the dude from the Philippines who joined Journey. Like he locked on to uh, a super group. And, uh, and the first single on the album that's going to come out alongside the comic is up. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube or you can watch it as part of the Kickstarter. It's for the song Fort Lauderdale. But scroll through the Kickstarter. There's some amazing incentives. Uh, you can obviously just get the comic and the album digitally. But if you're inclined to, uh, as I will be, uh, you want to throw up the uh, the vinyl. Uh, once you get to like a $35 reward structure, uh, you start to see um, that you get a vinyl album in the mail along with a printed copy of the Inevitable's comic book. Uh, you also get a digital version of that album. You get some stickers. You get all sorts of collectible stuff because uh, Vinny's an addict in a, in a sense. And of, <laughs> of course, course. of course, there will be collectibles. Uh, and if you want your name in the comic book artwork, uh, you can pledge hundred dollars or more. There's a ton of cool incentives Geeks gave us, so I'm really uh, gonna push you all to uh, continue to support this campaign, even though it's crossed its first uh, funding goal and will happen. Uh, let's let's bet on a winner. Uh, you know what? The, the cool thing, let me like throw in real quick for me is that for me to be able to work with the Scott Super Group, you know, uh, Matt Appleton and Billy Cottage and Obi Fernandez and Alex Stern, you know, Sean Paul Pillsworth, as you're describing him as a singer of of Journey, right? Which I don't agree with, but uh, <laughs> he I, did. Wait, wait, no. The, the singer of Journey is the dude from. Yeah, it's the, the Philippines. Yeah, he is. Yeah, like, the yeah. Philippines. Yeah. Oh man, like that's the best gig ever. Like he's. I know. I know. That's amazing. Uh, but but with that said, you know, for me to be able to work with such you know awesome and and creative individuals, not only on the music side but also on uh, the side of the comic, dude, uh, it, I'm I'm just over the moon about it, right? And the more that we can can collaborate with other creatives inside our world of the you know of the inevitables dude that's what it's all about for me right and we have some things that are planned and we have some other offshoots to the inevitables and what people don't know we already have the inevitables world runs deep it runs well past the the first full length and the first issue and for us like we have some dub remixes from John Deegan from Big D and the Kids Table that are amazing, right? And I think for me, I- I'm already looking at September, October, November for to do, to do, you know? And 
like I said, the world goes well beyond what you're looking at now. And I can't wait to peel it back and let people rifle through it because there's some really cool stuff. Geekscapers, you have your mission. Go to Kickstarter, check out The Inevitables. There's a link in the show notes and at the bottom of the description for this episode. Uh, support Vinny. It, it, you know, you may be listening to this episode and be like, hey, I'll figure it out. He's just like, uh, he's got the golden touch. But as he said earlier, that 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 sequence where he went out in the woods uh, writing that full-length novel, that's a scary place to be in. Uh, yeah. Did you even write an outline of where you were going? No. You just freaking went page one, blank page, and like bit into it, and we're like, "I'm not letting go." I, I, I already, I already knew where I was going with it. But it's, uh, it's, it's like an organic. It's a, it's like a, it's like its own animal. They will, it will shift with you. I, I thought, I thought I had to figure it figured out, and then I, I got stopped in my tracks and and got scared, right, and and went, "Whoa, whoa, this is this is crazy." I need, I need to chill, and I need to reevaluate what I want and reevaluate reevaluate what I think other people want out of me as a creator. Right. Which which you know what? If you start listening to that voice too long, it can be pretty demoralizing and yeah. yeah. And and it it's hard, you know, it's easy and always been easy for me to go, here's here's the the collective and I can stand with it and I'm stronger because of it. But when you're out there by yourself and it's just you and you're under the spotlight, it, it was it was paralyzing, man. It, it truly was. And, you know, some people may go, dude has it all figured out. But, man, like we're we're taking the lighter route. If I start to peel back the, the dark cloud, right, sure. people would be like, man, you, you, you paid most certainly paid for it and and depression and anxiety, my friend. And. That was true. And people don't see, you know, early on for anything that I was doing, I was working 20 hours a day, you know, during that field by time, dude, I was work. I was sleeping three to four hours and working 20 hours and, and going for it. Right. Sure. And I think that sometimes you have to do that. What I was doing was unhealthy. Right. And, but I'm wired in a way that I sometimes on the creative aspect of it, it is unhealthy, right? But I don't want to bog down the sort of like top end with all the stuff that's on the bottom end, right? You just, and just bottom, your lyrics as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just grab just grab some less than Jake lyrics, and you'll understand that there's you know some inside some dusty corners. There are some very dark things that I've paid the price for in in certain ways. But most certainly on the creative side, I've used that as energy and fuel to make other things. Mm-hmm. And I, I people have to understand that. Like, if we're talking on the subject of mental health real quick. I think that people, if they learn how to use that sort of negative energy as fuel to push forward, I, I dude, it, it's a, it's a, I've done that and it was hard to do. And I'm not saying it's easy. But what I am saying that if you can do that, it, it provides a break in that moment and the break in the cloud for you to sort of rise above, you know, where, where you've been. And right. uh, mental health is nothing to joke about. And it's nothing that sometimes you can do by yourself. Sometimes you have to talk to other people. I did talk to other people and they talk about 
steps that you could do. So not to put like, you know, a, a more sour thing. I think mental health is super important for creatives because of the show. Yeah. I, I think that sometimes when you're just by yourself, there's no support group for a creative. Sometimes you need to talk to other people, other creatives, your parents, your partner, and you have to go, I, I don't know where my head is at right now, but this is how I feel. And, yeah. and you have to talk it out, man. And I think, that's a very important thing and, and a, a definitely a, a good foundation to the story that we're talking about on, a, a, you know, three decades of creativity, right? Sure. Yeah. And being passionate without an outlet is a very easy way to becoming obsessive, yeah. you know, becoming destructive um, and, or trying to temper it with something chemical or something, again, destructive. Uh, Vinny, dude, thanks for coming on the show. Anytime, man. If you have anything you want to push, anything you want to help, uh, Geekscape's here for you, either on the podcast, on the website, or any of our socials. Uh, we can still get your collection of short stories at Paper and Plastic. You can get it at the Paper and Plastic web store. Yeah, so that would be paperandplastic.limitedrun.com. Follow me on Instagram. That's where I post, and I'm active most. That's at Wonderland War. And uh, that's the U W U N D R L A N D W A R. And dude, I I like to talk to people and and I be honest, man. Like emails and and messages. Like I I I like to interact with not only fans that become friends, but people who just want to kind of talk it out, man. Like don't hesitate to to reach out. I I, I love the interaction. I it leads to good places. Uh, let me know if you got this. Uh, did I get it right on the Instagram? W-U. Got it. Wonder. Like, got it. Uh, let me fix that one. Kings Gavis, we're watching this live. This is the Instagram for uh, Vinny on. This is, there it is. Link there. Follow him on Instagram. And again, check out that Kickstarter and uh, support the inevitables. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for coming on Geekscape. Dude, thanks for having me, man. I know that, again, it's early uh, and... But I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the support, and thanks for being awesome, man, and giving me an outlet. No, I'm serious. Thanks for giving me an outlet and an outlet for for a lot of creatives to talk about projects. It means a lot. I love it. And one of the highlights when we were talking about mental health was we hosted DMC at our booth at Comic Con last year. And of course, if you make it to San Diego next summer and you've got a you've got a comic book, you've got music, come by the Geekscape booth. Any of the, the invitations right there. You can totally invite the creative team to Comic Con next summer. Hopefully, it's there. Hopefully, uh, and uh, I'd love to promote the inevitables at the booth on the yeah, floor. Uh, but last summer we had DMC Daryl McDaniel's from Run DMC uh, all weekend at our booth, and we started talking about mental health on Geekscape. And he said the most gangster fucking thing I ever did was go to therapy. It's <laughs> true, man. It's true. You could not run from your shit anymore. You could not tough anymore, <laughs> dude. You're 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 paying. You're literally paying someone to to hold you for an hour and talk about like all the dark shit. Like that is the most gangster thing that you could do, man. Is go to a therapist. I have no doubt. Thanks for being gangster with us, Vinny and Geekscapers again. Check out the inevitables on Kickstarter. Uh, Geekscapers, that is uh, Vinny Fiorello. Dude, it's awesome talking to him. Love talking to him. Very inspiring talking to him. I hope you got a lot out of that interview. If this is your first Geekscape. Follow us on all the socials and check us out on the next Geekscape. I think my buddy Tom Mullen, who I met when he used to work for Vagrant Records, is putting out another emo book. He's going to be my guest sometime next week. Check our socials for that date uh, and watch us live or subscribe to Geekscape on any of your podcatchers and you'll get us right there in your podcast feed. So when you're on your run, 
or you're blowing off work or you're driving in your car or you're just sitting at home during the pandemic quarantine, you can throw on Geekscape and uh, check that out. I'm going to drag Vinny back in here for two seconds. Vinny, uh, your podcast, throw it out. What's your podcast? Uh, Concentric Circles. Okay. It's, you know, for creatives to come on, discuss everything under the sun, man, from balance to being able to pivot and finding your voice. So, you know, artists and musicians and design people and computer analysts that I'm talking to, you know, about coming on and, and talking it out. Uh, hard shit about being a creative in the modern day life. I love it. And I'm going to subscribe to that one, Vinny, because uh, it sounds like it's right up my alley. It sounds like a creative Tim Ferriss podcast. It, it, it truly is uh, very much inspired by Tim Ferriss. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I'm going to subscribe. Concentric Circles Geeks gave us, uh, check it out. And of course, follow Vinny on Instagram at Wonderland War, W-U-N-D-E-R, Land War on Instagram. Uh, dude, thanks again. Sorry to, sorry to rip you back into the episode. Right, right on, brother without promoting another podcast. Geeks give us, that's us. That's what we got. Uh, follow us on the socials. Not going to waste your time. Listen to us on the next episode. Love you so much. Don't hate. Create. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 